Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're in week five of When a House Becomes a Home. How many of you have enjoyed the series? This is the, this is the, if you didn't enjoy the series, just pretend like you did and give me a woo or whatever you do anyway. Um, you know, hand clap. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Um, so when a house becomes a home and we are wrapping, this is our core value series. We are wrapping it up with encountering God. How many of you know it's very important that you have an encounter with God? Very important. It's one of our values here. It's one of the things that, honestly, in about 20, I had moved here. I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He lives in Texas, and we were on the phone. He is a pastor at a massive church in Texas, and we were just talking, and we were just on. We were just in conversation. We were talking about the culture and the way that things are going, and how it's just kind of. You, you don't really know what's going to happen next in our culture. You don't really know um, who's going to be mad about what. You don't know how to say things uh, from the stage or even in a group that may not offend someone or be offensive to them. And that's all good and, and dandy. But we just like, we come to this conclusion. And it was like, if we could give two people or if we could give one person any two things in the world to sustain their walk with God forever, the first one would be a real genuine encounter with Jesus. And then the next one would be a life-giving community to live in. And you see, that, you see that everywhere around here. Literally, our mission statement is we live to give people the life that they were made for, encountering God and living in community. Because I still believe this. I still believe that encounters with God are the catalyst moment in your life. They are catalyst moments. And then also I believe one encounter with God can change everything in a moment, right? I think more people hype the last one up more than they do the first one. But really, how many of you know that most of the time when you encounter God, that is a catalyst for you to go on a journey deeper into God? And yes, I have had encounters with the Lord that have changed everything for me in a moment. But... How many of you know that most of the time, that ain't really how it happens, <laughs> right? That ain't really how it happens. It can happen. We welcome it to happen, right? If, if Jesus decides to show up, throw a grenade in here, and everybody's laying out on the floor speaking in tongues, well, I guess he decided to do that this Sunday. But I want to talk to you about a life of encounter and encountering God encountering God. Because how many of you know it's not your walk with God is not just you have one encounter with God and then that's it, right? That would be like me and Anna getting married. We get married, we spend one night together, and then I go way far away and we try this distance marriage thing. How many of you know that that won't work? That won't work. The same way with your walk with God, right? That's not going to work. And so you were made to live a life of encountering God. You were made to live a life 
Like that's a lot, that's part, that should be part of your life. That should be part of your everyday makeup, right? You are meant to encounter God on a regular basis, not just once every blue moon, right? Not just once every time you are in a desperate need. And so you have to come to church because you're just desperate. Like, one of the strangest things to me, it's not strange that people do this, but how many of you know that when people get in real crisis, where's the first thing that they, where's the first place that they run? They run to church. What if I could argue or make an argument? I'm not saying that you don't, you don't have crisis that come up in your life. But what if I'm saying it wouldn't look so flaky if you just served God all the time and it didn't look like that he was your genie in a bottle that you needed to call on when you were going through a tough time? Like, that's not, a lot, that's not what I'm talking about. You are to live a life of encountering God. And I want to present to you a statement this morning and then I'm going to have three or four points that I want to get to you. Listen, there has to be a mindset shift that happens when you think about encountering God. Right? We have primarily taught you, or taught in the church, that you were to live a life for God. Right? How many of you would agree with that? Live for God. I want to kind of lay out on the table this morning that that's hindering your life with God. Because you aren't meant to live for God, you're meant to live with God. And if you live with God, then it will look like you're living for God. Right? We primarily told people to live for God because we didn't like the way that they were behaving. Live for God and this will change your behavior. It won't. You'll be back behaving the same in a couple weeks, boss. You know how I know? Because I've been here. I've done this. But everything shifted for me when I come to a realization that I am supposed to do this with God. I'm supposed to live my life with God. And I encounter God way more often than when I was trying to live for God. Right? So, I, I really do think that it's your responsibility, and everybody watching this online, it is your responsibility to get your family in atmospheres where they can have real encounters with God. I think it's your responsibility. And I think that we are in a time... I could get off on church, church attendance this morning, but I just won't. But we're in a time where I think that people just, they don't value encounters with God like they should. They just don't value it. And really and truly, it's like you can say that you value this, but do you value it? Like, are you putting your children in atmospheres where they can have encounters with God? Let me ask you this. Are you creating an atmosphere in your home where that's normal? I wrote these three things down. 
The greatest thing that you can do for your family is to get them in a place where encounters with God are normal, talking about God is normal, and obeying God is normal. Let me tell you why it's so awkward sometimes when families talk about God. Because he's foreign to them. Talking about God and having conversations about God in your house, is it normal? Or is there this awkwardness? Get the awkwardness out of your house as it pertains to, to talking about God. Get that, get that out of your house. Don't let it be awkward. Don't let the things of God be awkward. Let the things of God be real to your family. Let the things of God be real to you. Right? And so I have some things that I really just want to talk about what encountering God looks like. And what that produces in your life. Because I feel like we are in a time where we genuinely, we don't talk about encountering God and we don't encounter God because we think that we can fill this void that we have with other things. Side hustles, new friends, new jobs, all of that stuff. I just want to give you about five points this morning. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm just going to talk. We're just going to talk about this. What does encountering God look like on a regular basis? These are some things that I have found to be true in my own life, and I can point to the Bible to show you that they're true. Encountering God on a regular basis leads to joy. It leads to joy. Can you throw that verse from John 15 up there? I just want to read it to you. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Notice that last part. Remain in my love. You were to remain. This is encountering God. This is not him going and you coming. You were to remain in this posture of encounter and God's love for you. Keep going. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments, remain in his love. Listen to this. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. It's, it's really crazy to me how many people live in perpetual, like, just funks. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not feeling it today. I, I can't tell you the last time that I woke up and used the language. I'm just not feeling it today. Right? Maybe that's just in my personality or something, but like, hey, don't matter if you feel it. Uh, Beckham's awake, you know? <laughs> you may not feel it, but you're about to hear it, you know, if you don't get in there. So... You were supposed to enjoy this life with God. Your life with God, you're supposed to enjoy this life. This is not supposed to be burdensome to you, right? Christians who walk around all the time in this like place of never having any fun and are never happy, I'm just, I don't know if they've encountered God. 
they may have had an encounter with religion and this like man-made God in the sky. It's like, how many of you were part of a Christian culture where it was like zero fun? Zero fun, sir. It's like Petey at the member of, in, in, member of the Titans. Coach Boone walks up to him. He's like, what's funny? He's like, nothing, sir. He's like, are you having fun yet? He goes, no, sir. Zero fun, sir. That's what some Christians are like. Are you serving God? Yes. Are you having fun? No. That's not the way this is supposed to be. Sorry. It's not the way that this is supposed to be. You're supposed to enjoy this life with God. Listen to this. You're not supposed to live in fear. As a Christian, you're not supposed to live in a place of fear all the time. You're not about anything. You're not supposed to live in a constant state of anxiety. That doesn't mean you can't have anxious thoughts. The Bible's very clear about what to do with those. That doesn't mean that you can't have moments where you don't feel great or you're depressed. But you're not meant to live there. You're not meant to live there. That's not the promise of the New Testament. That's not the promise of the Holy Spirit. I would even ask this to you. Like, if you live in a constant state of depression and anxiety, I think you just need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. I've had anxious times in my life. I've had depressive moments in my life. But I have never been in a place where it's like, my God, I'm just not happy all the time. All the time. Nothing makes me happy. You take me to McDonald's and get me a biscuit. Make me happy. Right? You're not meant to live in this place of depression, anxiety. A, a life of encountering God brings joy. You, it should bring joy to your life. You should not be depressed all the time, right? Listen to this, number two. A life of encountering God leads to peace. It leads to peace. Let me ask you this. Do you have the peace of God in your life? Ask yourself that question. Let me read you a verse. When Jesus was getting ready, he was talking with his disciples. He's getting ready to tell them, hey, I'm about to die. About to be crucified. And he talks about all the things that he's leaving them. This is what he says. This is one of the things that he says. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Listen to this. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. Listen. There is an internal stillness that comes of living this life with God. There's an internal stillness. The Bible never speaks to you never going through chaos. It just says that you will have a sense of peace in chaos. Never says that you won't be 
you go through any difficult time. How many in this? How many people in this room have ever been through a difficult situation? Raise your hand, please. All right. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. All right. So we know. Yeah. Or tell us. You come be the pastor here. Tell us how you get there. You know. That's what I'm saying. God doesn't promise a life absence of chaos. He promise. He promises a life with peace. You can have peace in the midst of chaos. You can. It's possible. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's almost like, to the believer, what I have seen myself is that when chaos ensues, it's like they have this unusual peace to them. Have you ever seen that before? It's like something tragic happens, and it's like, you talk to this person, it's like nothing even happened. It's like, um... You all right? Because I'm not all right for you, and you seem to be more all right than I am. (laughs) That's the peace of God that can't be explained. It passes comprehension. It literally, I'm leaving you with a a gift of peace, peace of mind and heart. This is what Paul says. Paul says, I pray that the peace of God would guard your mind and your heart. He's just quoting Jesus. And this is what I think is so important about this, because we can get trapped in this. And the peace is a gift that the world cannot give you. Listen, you cannot get the peace of God anywhere else but from God. About to hurt your feelings, okay? Raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. I will not be offended. You can't get it. You can't get it from just having a day, just taking a day. You can't get it from that. That will fix it for just a second. I take days, but I take days to spend with God, right? If you're going to take a day, whatever that means, take a day. And go get in the presence of God. If you go and take a day with the same person, you, you, who got you into this chaotic state, it don't matter where you go and what you do, you still gonna be in a chaotic state. That's why it's so important also to live in a community. You may tell you why? Because sometimes you can't fix you. You can't fix you. Sometimes I need Stephen to choke me out at jujitsu. You know why? Because somebody has said something about the church. And I just wanna I just wanna punch them. But then I know Stephen can choke me out and I don't need to do that. Right? Sometimes, listen, you can't fix you. You know what else won't fix you? A new job. You know what else won't fix you? A brand new relationship. It won't. You know what else really won't fix you? Cute, unbiblical Instagram post. Yeah. 
I'm coming after them this morning. Asia, Mary, don't, don't assault me after service. They don't post that stuff, but they're influencers, so they see all this stuff, okay? Don't, don't come at me after service. Just That's God, not me. I, you know, I'm just the vessel here this morning. Take it up with him. Do you want me to tell you why a new anything won't fix you? Because you haven't been fixed yet. I know that's very just a bomb of revelation this morning. But genuinely, if you go get a new job and you still have a critical spirit, you will be critical of that boss too. You won't have peace at that job either. If you go get a new friendship, give it three or four months, you'll destroy that one too. Because you'll find everything wrong with that person. And the problem is you. Can I, can I just tell you something this morning? You are. What if you just, what if you just took this into thought? You are the source of all drama in your life. You know why? You tolerate it. What if I just said, some of, and listen, I am completely, listen, I'll tell you this, I go see a, a, a counselor once a month. So I'm not hating on anybody with mental health issues. I don't go see a counselor because something is wrong with me. I go see a counselor because I didn't know all of the things that he could expose in me until the first time I went. And I'm like, man, I got way more problems than I thought I had. <laughs> but I go to a counselor to stay healthy mentally, right? The same way I go to the gym to stay healthy, try to stay healthy physically. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not throwing off on anybody who has mental health issues. Trust me. But let me just submit to you. Everything doesn't require a pill to fix. It doesn't. It could just require some maturity. Jesus says, I give you the peace that you can't get from anywhere else, that means you can't get it from anywhere else. It only comes from Him. So when I feel anxious, I go to Him. Because I know that if I live a life encountering Jesus, I am promised peace. Peace is a promise to you. Joy is a promise to you. Stop living so depressed all the time. Listen, if you need to go see a doctor and see a counselor, we'll pay for you to go. But I'm telling you, that will not solve every problem that you have. It won't. Listen, the greatest thing that God could give you in a world filled with chaos is peace. The greatest thing that God could give you in a chaotic world is peace. And he promises that to you. Because he's a good father and he loves you. Right? 
Listen, this is a good one. This might. This is, this is throwing a. This, we're, we're going a different direction now. When you live a life of encounter, you also will live a life of conviction. You'll live a life of conviction. Right? And I'm not talking about you digging your heels in on theological beliefs that you have. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not it. That's not conviction. That's called being dogmatic, which is not living convicted, right? Listen, conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion. When you encounter God, God does not convict you of who you're not. He convicts you of who you are. Listen, when you live a life that is diligent about having encounters with God on a regular basis, you will be convicted of his firmly held opinion about you. Because that's what a conviction is. So let me, let, me, let, me, let me even rattle some cages this morning. God does not convict you of your sin. He convicts you of your unbelief. Can you put that verse up there for me this morning? But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And none of you ask where I'm going. Hold on just a second. Is this the right verse? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best that I go away because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Listen to this. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. The Holy Spirit comes to convict people of their unbelief in Jesus. Listen to this next thing. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will no longer see me. He, it says that he convicts of righteousness, judgment because of the ruler of the world has already been judged. Listen. He convicts you not of your sin. You're good with that verse. Yep. Not of your sin. He convicts you of your unbelief in Jesus. And then he convicts you of righteousness. What is, what is he saying? He's not convicting you of all of the issues that we have taught you that you have. He is convicting you of how righteous he made you and that will solve those problems. You will never become who you are supposed to be by always dwelling on who you're not supposed to be. You will never solve all of your sin issues staring at sin. You won't. The only way that your issues will get dealt with is that if you are convinced of his opinion about you. This may be the, 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 the place where I can hang my hat. Some of you have issues that you continue to deal with just because you simply don't know how God feels about you. I know that's super simple. But what if you started to believe that you were the righteousness of God in Christ? What if you started to believe you were actually exactly who God made you to be once you got saved? 
What if you started to believe that? Even in the midst of your issues. What if we've been... What if we've just been aiming at the wrong things? You got to quit this. You got to quit that. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Stop doing this, that, and this, and that. Listen, great ideas. Phenomenal. But if you stop doing those things, listen to me when I say this. If you stop doing certain activities that could be labeled as sin without a conviction that you are righteous and God loves you, you will become a Pharisee. Stopping doing things out of a place of discipline is what the Pharisees were known for. That is literally the definition of self-righteousness. You have worked up enough willpower... To make yourself look righteous yourself. That is self-righteousness. Okay? When you are convinced of how much God loves you. And that you are righteous because of what he accomplished on the cross. That is the righteousness that God is talking about. He says you're convicted of righteousness. Right? So you live a life of conviction. And you're convicted about what God says about you. And we're going to talk about that more some other time. But I want you to know, and I just want to drop this little seed into your heart this morning. Your issues, your problems, your sin cycles remain there because... You are not. You are holding a firm opinion about yourself instead of clinging on, God's firm, clinging on to God's firm opinion about you. Your sin cycles, your problems are all there because you value your opinion more than God's. That's idolatry. That's tough, isn't it? It's a tough one. What if you started putting God's thoughts about you above your thoughts about you? What could change? Just a thought this morning. Listen, encountering God, point four, looks like, uh, this is a real practical, practical one, it looks like dwelling and gazing. Dwelling and gazing. You say, Cole, what do you mean by that? Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, dwelling, all the days of my life, and I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Encountering God on a regular basis looks like dwelling and gazing, sitting still for a while and just looking at the beauty of who Jesus really is. Some of you need to really learn how to do that. Just sit still and gaze at the beauty of Jesus. Listen, buy one of these. Y'all ever seen one of these before? It's a Bible. We preach from this around here. Okay. 
read this book. Do you know what the Bible, do you know what the purpose of the Bible is? It's to reveal to you Jesus. There are tons of people who don't know who God is because they don't read the Bible. They just don't read it. You want me to preach to you and give you all the revelation about God that you need. I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say this on this stage. I am not your Moses. And this is not Mount Sinai. I'm not supposed to go into my office and come out with this bomb revelation that makes you think for 24 hours. And then after those 24 hours, you have forgotten everything that I just said. That's not my job. My job is to reveal to you Jesus in a way that you can understand it, that will make you go seek him for yourself. Right? So encountering God looks like dwelling and gazing. Read your Bible. I know this is kind of just this is crazy talk, right? Read the Bible. There's an app on your phone that will send you a reminder to read your Bible. Right? Last thing, encountering God. Jake, you can come on up. Encountering God leads you. Actually, hold on. Before I get to this, this thought just hit me. The difference, I want you to think about this. The difference between dwelling and gazing and I'm really about to, if, the, if all the Pentecostals see this one on the live stream, they're going to be real offended, which is fine. I love you anyway. Dwelling and gazing does way more than decreeing and declaring. Dwelling and gazing does way more than decreeing and declaring. You know how I know this? Look at Mary and Martha. Mary literally was found sitting at the feet of Jesus. Always throughout the, throughout the New Testament. And then God uses Mary to announce to the world that he has risen. Where does Martha go in scripture? Don't know. Because she was wore out on trying to live a life for God instead of with God. Right? Stand to your feet this morning. Last point, encountering God, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Encountering God leads you to love other people. Encountering God leads you to love other people. Encountering God does not lead you to get all of this revelation and this love of God and never do anything with it. That's not what this is for. That's not why you encounter God. Listen, encountering God in the book of Acts, I preached this recently. When Acts chapter 2 happens, the, the Holy Spirit falls, fire falls on everybody's head. Holy Ghost has a blowtorch, just fire, everybody's head. Everybody's going crazy, losing their minds. But then like 
this interesting thing that we often miss is literally from that place, from that place, they went into the public square. So the upper room leads to the public square, right? The upper room leads to the public square. I could even go further to say this. The, actually, the public square is the new upper room. Because he literally sends the disciples out of the upper room. And when do they go back to the upper room? Never. They never go back to the upper room again. But we sometimes, in our quest to encounter God and our pure desires, we want to summon Acts chapter 2 again. The day of Pentecost. You know how many times the day of Pentecost happens a year? One time. But we want to summon God coming suddenly. We want to summon breakthrough. And you can't summon breakthrough. God's not a genie in a bottle. And so encounters with with God will lead you to love other people well. It will lead you into the public square. Listen, the entire book of Acts is people have this radical encounter with Jesus and the Spirit leads them into public to love other people, to show other people the love of Jesus. I heard a theologian say it like this recently. You should be careful when you ask God for an encounter. And you should be careful when you pray for God to show up in your life in a real way. Because real encounters with God will lead you to the freaks. They will lead you to the lame man at the beautiful gate. They will lead you to the people that it led the the apostles to in the book of Acts. When you ask for an encounter with God, be ready for God to send you into people's lives who are dysfunctional. Who don't have it all together. Do you know why? Because if it's a real encounter with God, you have an answer for that. A real encounter with God will not lead you to be selfish with it. It won't. And so this morning, I want us just to take a moment. And you can, if you need prayer, you feel free to come down to the front and get prayer. We have Miss Jean down here and Tom over here. But I want us just to take a moment and I want us to pray for our church this morning that we become a place of real encounter, of genuine encounter. And then they're going to worship for a little while. You can stay as long as you like to worship. Um, don't forget, if you're a first-time guest, Please drop your uh, black card off at guest or at um, Connect Point, and we will connect with you after service. And don't forget that our encounter night is tonight at 6 p.m. But I want us to pray this morning for us to become a genuine church that encounters the Lord on a regular basis in real ways. And so, Jesus, we thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for you today. God, we love you. And God, we pray that this house would be a house where people can come in and have a genuine encounter with you. 
Not one that's just, you know, common, but one that would transform our hearts forever. That would lead us into a place of joy, of peace, of conviction, of dwelling and gazing and just sitting in your presence. And God, that would ultimately lead us to love others. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.